Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Here tonight, and I thank God for the opportunity uh, again to be in the house of the Lord and for you to be here. Uh, we are not here by chance, and we, there is a, a work to be to be done. I want to thank all of you that are uh, that have taken this. Um, what should I say? This uh, this mandate to uh, for the the right till almost Pentecost Sunday till the day before Pentecost Sunday to fast, whether it's one meal or whether it's one meal every day or whether it's for a few days, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, and uh, that there would be um, a prayer for the Lord to move powerfully. That and even tonight. Uh, that there would be a coming before the Lord with a heart of repentance personally and for, for also those that you, uh, as a body of Christ, but also uh, for those that don't know the Lord, that there would be a crying out uh, to Him. And tonight, I just, uh, I, it's uh, part eight uh, of this Lord of the Harvest uh, series, and tonight I want to call it or entitle it "Removing the Obstacle." To remove the obstacle, uh, I think all of us at different points we have obstacles in our life, and and we just say, "Lord, can you do a work of of removing that obstacle?" Sometimes uh, it is out of our hands, and sometimes it is in our hands that the obstacle would be removed, that God would remove the obstacle for us. Um, but it's something that we have to do. Tonight, I want you to uh, listen up carefully. And uh, the Lord does desire to do a work uh, in your life. The Lord does desire for His will to be accomplished in your life. And the Lord desires also for there to be a work not just done on you, but through you to minister to others. And we, we underestimate what God wants to do. In Ephesians 3, verse 20, it talks about the power. It says that He, the Lord, is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think by the power that is within us. And so there is a... The, we need to recognize what the Lord wants to do through us. And so often there's, there's an obstacle or there's obstacles uh, in our life that hinder what God wants to do through us. And so tonight, in tying in with this, uh, this fasting, this call to fast, uh, that the Lord would do a work, um, I want to just tie in uh, this thing of the obstacle that may hinder things from happening in our life and through our lives. So, without getting into all the um, of last week, and we were going through Joel chapter two, and I do want to I want to focus in on one part again. It was mentioned on Sunday, uh, and I want to mention it again today. But all of Joel chapter two. 
And it's, it, there's portions that are broken. And I like how it's, it's laid out by the Holy Spirit to Joel. And with this, um, as you read through Joel, uh, you, you recognize that there's a progression and there's steps that are taken. And in light of the coming of the day of the Lord, I just I want to say this. We are the last generation. And this morning we were praying, but was recognizing my, my mom is still alive. And there might be one generation still ahead if they're in their 90s. But basically, that generation of the, that might be in the 90s, and, and then my mom's generation, my generation, and then some of you young adults, your generation, and some of you are maybe uh, at, a, at an age where there's, uh, there's new life coming, another generation. But I don't think there's more than five generations alive at this point in time. And I believe, regardless of what those five generations are, it's the last generation before the Lord's return. And so in light of that, so the very first uh, 11 verses in Joel chapter 2 have to do with the coming of the day of the Lord. And actually, I thank God, He always gives warning. There's always warning given. And that's why we have the prophets that, that come and there is a word given because the Lord will always warn before judgment comes. And with the warning, usually there is blessing as we heed the warning. And so in Joel's day, the warning was of the coming day of the Lord. The Lord, in this chapter, the Lord wants, to, there's blessing that comes with it. And we, we can read of that blessing in, in Joel chapter 2, verse 18 and 20. It's just that there's a refreshing of the land. The Lord wants to give a refreshing of the land to the individual. He wants to bless and there's this thing of thanksgiving because of his presence and the effect of his blessing on us. And there's an impact on the people of Israel. And so he's, he's giving warning. Now, mind you, it's interesting that Joel's generation probably heeded the warning, but the next generation didn't because Joel gave the pro uh, prophecy probably around 800 B.C. And within 60 or 70 years, the northern kingdom was, uh, because of wickedness, and we're talking the northern kingdom of Israel, split into two kingdoms, the northern and southern kingdom of Israel. The northern one, because they chose to not heed and repent, there was a coming by the Assyrian king, and totally he took them into captivity. The northern kingdom never was, was never reestablished, and the people were spread all over. 
um, by the Assyrians. There's warning that comes. And so that we would heed the warning in light of the coming of the day of the Lord. It's interesting that the passage that was used in uh, Acts chapter 2 is from Joel chapter 2. That's 800 years later. And even for this day and age, that prophetic word is still for today. In fact, really when you think about it, when we come to the end of our lives, it is like the day of the Lord. We're, we're, there is, we're either with him or we're apart from him. And so to heed the, the, the warning to be prepared and also the blessing that he wants to give, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, this, this chapter ends off with the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the people for the sake of, of their situation where they're at personally, but also for the sake of the land, for others. Uh, the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out that there would be a remnant kept and there would be those added to that remnant that would be kept in the hand of God. So, what is it that we need to do? And it's amazing, and we, we'll go over this just quickly, two verses, and then I want to get into one other uh, uh, chapter in Psalms. So, Psalm, or Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, is, or what is the obstacle that needs to, to be removed for a move of God? What is the obstacle to a move of God? What is an obstacle to the blessing? What is the obstacle to just rejoicing for the goodness of God? What is an obstacle to uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? And what it is, it is the aspect of, of sin. And repentance, the practicing of sin and also unconfessed sin. And so verse 12 and 13 talk about this. It's a call to repentance. And this is what I mentioned last, last week. I also mentioned it on Sunday briefly. But it says in, in verse 12, it says, Now therefore, now therefore, because the day of the Lord is coming, that day is coming, the Lord says. So therefore, says the Lord, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. So let it not just be an outward thing, but that it would be from our heart. It's not like, oh, I'm just going through the motions. No, from the heart. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. So that's what we need to do in light of that. And all that comes from it, the blessing the rejoicing, the gladness of heart, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is there as we deal with this issue of anything of sin that's continuing on in our life or the, uh, the unconfessed sin that, that from the past, Lord, I need to confess this before you. I need to have this taken care of. So it talks about turning to me with all your heart. So what does it mean if, if 
if we're not turning to God with all our heart, it means that we can turn to him with a half heart, partial, partially, or we may acknowledge him, but with all our heart. Some of it is, or the question would be is, where is my heart? Luke 12, verse 33 and 34 says, Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. This thing of, of selling what you have and give alms is basically giving of alms is I'm going to help out those that are in need. I'm willing to help out those in need. My heart is to help out those that are struggling. And it says, as we do, we will provide ourselves money bags which do not grow old. So there's no tear or breaking in the money bag. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. So the things that we do for the Lord now are stored up in heaven. And then it says in verse 34, this is what I want to focus in on. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what, it says, let me read again. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You may say, what does that mean? What it means is this. The object of your desire, the object, object of, of what you, that consumes you, that you are, are seeking after, is where your heart is at. It could be, it could be a person, if only I could have or be with that person, if only I could have. So my object of, of desire and treasure, not to say that we can't have uh, or we, we can't, you know, desire somebody that, you know, if you're single or whatever, and I, I recognize sometimes that consumes us and can consume us. Even as, as believers, it consumes us to the point where maybe it's not just a person, but it can be relationship. So all I crave is relationship. I, I'm alone or I'm by myself. So my treasure is relationship. That's what I crave. I don't have it. But that's what I need or I feel I need or I want. And I'm not saying that relationship isn't good. But if that's what's consuming us, what is consuming you? What consumes you? What do you treasure the most or what would you desire the most? It says where your heart is or where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. That is where your heart is. So what is it that consumes me? What do I value the most? Is, is there something in my life that will be put before God? It says here to turn to, he says, turn to me with all your heart. So for the warning for the, the, the Israelites was that they were not turning to God. There were other things that had come in their way that they were just consumed by and whatever it may have been. And the Lord is saying, I need for you to turn to me. So the question is, what, occup what occupies my heart? 
What occupies my thoughts? What occupies my time? What occupies my fi finances? What is it that I, I, I'm, I'm spending money on? What, what do I sacrifice for to get? So sometimes we, as we ask these questions, it's like, okay, where is my heart at? Turn to me with all your heart. And so sometimes it might even be, Lord, I recognize that my heart is not where it should be. My heart doesn't desire you, or I can be without you. It's not a big deal to be without you. It's not a big deal if I, if I don't come into your presence. It's not a big deal if I'm not going to you or taking that time in my day. Because I, I, you know what? I've got so much to do. It doesn't bother me that I, my life is busy doing other things. I don't have time for you. So one of the things might be is, Lord, change my heart. That I would desire you, that you would be first and foremost in my life. Now, I'm not saying, listen, that, hey, we work. I would say probably our jobs take up most of our time in a week besides sleeping. It's our jobs. You know, most of us are working 35, 40, 45, 50 hours, maybe even more every week. It takes up a large part of our week. And so part of it is, Lord, let my heart be that even in my work, I will do my work as unto you. I'll do my work as unto you. I will do my job with integrity. I will do my job as if I was serving you. That's what the Lord would have us do. So that even in our work, and Lord, there's a reminder or a remembrance of you in our work. My heart is turning to you. My heart turns for you, whether it's in my job or career or when I am at, at home, whether as a parent or, or maybe you're just single or whether you're married, whatever, wherever you're at in your life, that even in relationship, the relationship that you do have, Lord, that I would treat my, my spouse, you know, as to love as a husband. My duty is to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The duty of, of, of the, the wife is that she would respect her husband. Lord, this is according to your commands. Lord, let, let me respect my husband. So it has to do with my attitude towards my husband. So to do your word. So even in those different things, Lord, so all my, my life, 24-7, is for you and under you. Even though maybe you're not saying, hey, I'm, I'm spending my entire day pray in prayer. But I am spending my entire day, night, just, Lord, I surrender to you. Have your way in me. I just give myself over to you. Where is our heart? Where is my heart? And so if it's not in the right place, or if there's something that's not, not right. It says here, <clears throat> so it says, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And that's, once again, I thank you, all of you that are saying, I have chosen to fast. 
You might say, one of the th aspects of fasting is there's a sacrifice. I don't know about you, but how long can you go without eating? Pastor, <laughs> don't ask me not to eat. You know what? The very first time that I fasted was with, uh, for a length or a longer period of time, it was Andrew and I. And we were going to Oshkosh. And we chose to say, you know what? We're going to save some money. We're not eating. So Andrew, I can remember, he had this huge, I don't know, it was like a 25 or 30 or 40 liter uh, cooler. And all, he just filled it up and, and made some, uh, some orange juice or something. And uh, I think it was whatever it was. And, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and sugar water, okay, yeah. So, the, so for, that was the first time that I fasted for more than, you know, a few meals. And so the first day it was okay. Uh, it was all right. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit. The second day was, was actually the first day was the worst. By the time you got to the end of the day, it's like, oh, man, I want to eat. The second day it was, uh, it was bad but not so bad. By the third day it was like, okay, this is all right. So I think we've, uh, that, that week we fasted about four or five days. Four days. It was the first time I had fasted. Did not eat a single thing for four days except we had liquids. It's a sacrifice. Now, we just did it because we were trying to save money. Right? We didn't want to stop for meals. You know, you, you, you start going to the washroom less, less often. And, uh, but, so, it was just a matter of, and, and we... It, it was an interesting thing because it helped me to realize that the first day uh, is always the worst, by far. It was always, it's always, and, but when we sacrifice or we fast for the sake of the uh, calling a fast for the Lord, there is this thing of what is important to you. I'm saying to the Lord, what is important to you is important to me, too. That's why I'm fasting. In this case, the Lord is saying, the day of the Lord is coming, and I want to bless you. I want that there is just a rejoicing in your life, that there's an overflow in your life, and that the power of the Spirit of God is upon you, not just for your sake, but for the sake of others, rivers of living water flowing through you. Because the day of the Lord is coming, and so I want you to fast. And so we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to fast and pray, and weep, and mourn before the Lord for the sake, for my sake, personally, and then extend it past your, from you to your family, to your, your relatives, to your friends, to your co-workers, to, to all, to the stranger. Lord, I am fasting because it's important to you. You have called me to fast. You have called me to turn with all my heart to you, and so that's what I'm going to do. Because it's important to you. And so in the fast, I am declaring, as important as it is for you, I am in agreement with it. It is important to me. And if it's not, Lord, change my heart so that I can get to the place of weeping and mourning. To weep and mourn. You know what? And maybe that's where the repentance needs to be. Is when it comes to sin in our lives... 
it's not a big deal. That it would be a big deal when we step out from where God would have us be or we, we, we are disobedient or we are rebellious or whatever it may be. Lord, I recognize that I'm not where I should be. That there would be a mourning and a weeping over my transgressions, my iniquity, or the, the heart and that desire. Lord, take the things, the things that I might crave, that, that might want to control me or whatever, take it away because I don't want to be in that place. And so there's a mourning. And sometimes you, to let it go past just you, but let there be a mourning for those that are in a place that they should not be. You know what? This, this, this afternoon as I, I, I met up with this man, it was like, I care about you. And I said to him, I said, I don't even really know you. I, I, I don't know you. I care about where you're going to spend eternity. I care about where you're going to spend eternity. I don't want you. Well, you believe what you believe, and I'm going to believe what I believe. Because when I, when I die, I'm just going to be disintegrated. And it was just not wanting to hear anything more. And I, I, it was like, I, I, had to, I said to myself, well, unfortunately, that's not the case. That's not, that's not what's going to happen. I said, we're going to stand before God Almighty one day, and we're going to have to make an account for every single thing that we've done. And that there would be a covering, because I'll tell you, everything, anything that we've done wrong or sinfully, rebelliously, whether in ignorance or in knowledge, is recorded. And it is taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ only. Well, if I reject Jesus Christ and his blood in my life, I am in a place where I will stand before God and every, the books will be opened. And the very last thing, it says, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And even as we go through, or as the individual goes through the process of this court proceeding, for every single thing, they will be, they'll have to say, guilty, guilty, guilty. And the very last thing that they will see is the majesty and the glory of God. As Jesus said, don't fear the one that can take your life, but fear the one that can cast you into hell. And it's by their choice. I could not believe this individual. I pray to God that his heart will change, that the fear of God will come because he was basically saying, I don't care. I don't care. We have opportunity that we would weep for the sin even of others, that there would be a, a salvation that would come to them. There would be a repentance and a turning so we can weep for them as well, even as we would fast. Now, we would do that over the course of the next week and a half yet. You can fast at any time. It doesn't have to be a called fast. You can, you, as the Lord puts it on your heart, you can fast at any time and turn to the Lord with all your heart. I want to turn to Psalm 51. This chapter is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it is written, it is a song that was written 
and it was given to the chief musician. And, and so David wrote it after the prophet Nathan came to him and said, what you did is wrong. You might say, what did he do? Well, basically, he took another man's wife. He slept with her. She got pregnant, and he tried to cover it up. And in the cover-up, the only way he could cover it up is to make sure that her husband was killed in the line of duty by his command. It was his command. You can read this in Psalm or 2 Samuel chapter 12. You can read this story. It's a horrific story as David tried to cover up his sin. And here the prophet comes to David and says, listen, let me tell you a story about a rich man who had many sheep and his neighbor had only one sheep. And there are people that, that came to him and the rich man needed to have a feast. And he had many sheep. He could have taken whatever he needed from his large flock. But he decided, no, I'm going to take that man's single sheep. And so the, man, so the rich man took the, the man's sheep to use for the, the feast. David got upset. And he said, who is this man? I want to find out who this man is because he needs to be dealt with immediately. This rich man. Nathan says, it's you. And David writes this song. And he doesn't cover up. We need to recognize this is where it comes to coming before the Lord with fasting because we are serious about what we're doing. Lord, we need to turn to you. I'm turning to you and I'm repenting and I'm confessing and I'm weeping over my sin or the things that I have done that I, or things that I'm doing that I need to change. And he writes this song, not for himself, but it's for the chief musician to be sung in public. And in it, you see his heart. And this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is what God would have us. This is how God would have us come before him in our fast, in our, our, our repenting. This is how he would have us come to him. And it starts off beautifully with who God is to us as we come before him, as we humble ourselves before him. It says, have mercy. David says, says have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. As we humble ourselves, even the worst, we're talking murder here. We're talking adultery. We're talking murder. And David, God is, is a merciful God as we would come to him. And as we would humble ourselves before him, a broken heart. This thing of transgressions, we need to recognize that in this, how are our sins taken care of? We need to recognize that Jesus is the one that took all of our sins and took David's sins upon himself 
All that time later, about a thousand years later, Jesus would die on the cross, taking David's sins upon himself. And David recognizes the blood in this, in this chapter, and he recognizes the loving kindness and the mercy of God upon us as we would humble ourselves. And he's saying, blot out my transgressions. It says in verse 2, it says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. The, the heart, the tendency to do things that are wrong. Not just from the transgression, but from the tendency. I have a desire to do things that aren't right. And cleanse me from my sin. In 1 John 1 verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Nothing else can cleanse us and wash us from sin except Jesus' blood. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, however, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can come to him. Lord, I examine and I examine myself, reveal the things that should not be in me, that I would have a clean heart. And here he says in verse 50 or, or verse 3, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Listen. This thing of sin being in front of you after you sinned, this is not a bad thing. Because I'll tell you right now, if we are casual or we sin and it's not a big deal, that's a problem. So to have this thing of, as we acknowledge our transgressions, my sin is always before me. The only thing that would keep that sin before, before us would be the thing of, of pride. I, I can't come to the Lord for him to take care of me. Or there's a desire to hang on to it. But if you're admitting that you've transgressed, the only thing is to humble yourself and you come before the Lord to have it dealt with. The obstacle in your life said to someone the other day, I said, you know what? You, you are struggling in your life. You're struggling in your life. And the reason is because you are hanging on to sin. You are hanging on to sin. I was, I'll, I'll tell you, I had to be brutally honest. Listen. We can't expect the blessing of the Lord if we're not willing to repent. And we want to hang on to our sin. And this thing is, there will be this thing. There, the sin that David committed was before him until it was taken care of. And he had started with, I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin. And my sin is always before me. I'm acknowledging, man, this, this thing is eating me up. Because I am not in right standing. And he continues to confess against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. God is just in his judgment. He is blameless in, in his, in his uh, judgment and, and just in his speech. 
David had sinned against Bathsheba, had sinned against Uriah, her husband. And in fact, in all of, uh, all of Israel. But ultimately, the sin was against God. You know what? There's people that are committing these kinds of things, sins. And they're just like, it's not a big deal. I'm not talking about those necessarily. We're not talking in the church. But... that it would not be a casual thing. There are people that, that's, that sin, and it's just, oh, well, whatever. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. We're, in fact, we're all born in sin because of the fall, because of Adam. But I thank God, this, the sin nature that is in us, the, the tendency to do things that are contrary to God. The amazing thing is that God is there to help us and deals with that there can be a newness of life within us. There can be a new heart. There can be a new life. Praise God for that. Behold, I, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. The Lord knows the intention of our heart, goes deep inside. Our heart at times are, is deceitful. Our heart will lie to us. Our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows the intent of our hearts. And so part of it would be, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts, that there is a cleaning up that even my intentions and motivations deep inside are taken care of. That I'm not trying to justify my behavior. But Lord, I just surrender to you. And maybe part of it would be as, as, as we come before the Lord weeping and mourning. Just say, Lord, I don't know my own heart at times. Lord, change my heart. Change my heart. Make me, me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. That's an odd phrase. Actually, let me just, I just, I'm, I skipped over seven. Let me just go back to seven, verse seven. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Both of these references have to do with the blood of Jesus Christ. The, when the, Israelites were coming out of Egypt the very last night of, of captivity before the angel of death came there was a there was a taking of hyssop which was there it's a type of bush or branches put together and it could be used like a broom or whatever in this case even to take hyssop dip it in the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed they each had to take it was the tenth the tenth of the month they had to take the lamb, and they had it for four days to the 14th. This is on the, on the, actually on the Passover. So the Passover started with this passing over of the angel of death, and it was kept apart from the Israelites and the firstborn of the Israelites by the blood. So this thing of purge me with hyssop, purging means to clean, cleanse me with hyssop. The, the, let the blood be applied to me, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. 
And so there's this aspect of the Lord washing by the blood. You know, as we confess, there is a washing of our being as we are contrite before the Lord. We say, Lord, forgive me. These are, these are my sins or these are things, issues that I have. And we come before him humbly, even in our fasting, as we turn to the Lord. We're turning to him. We want to draw near to him. Lord, let there be not be any obstacles to the coming of the day of the Lord, to the blessings, to the, the, the rejoicing and the thanksgiving, that, that it's affecting our soul and our spirit, that there's a rejoicing over the goodness of the Lord in my life. I don't want there to be an obstacle, and the obstacle for, for the, to rejoice. You can't rejoice when there's sin in your life. You can't rejoice. You know it's, there's something not right. You know what it is in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that convicts and lets us know, hey, this needs to be straightened out. It says, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Now, it's, that is an odd phrase. That the bones you have broken may rejoice. I thank God. When you, when you have a broken bone, there's a lack of mobility on that part of the body. So whether it's your, your foot, your ankle, your, your, your leg, your arm, your wrist, finger, whatever it is, when your bone is broken, you can't move it. And so this thing of having to deal, I need to deal with the healing of the finger or whatever is broken. There needs to be a healing, and there's a pain there, and there's a, rec there's a recognition. I just can't keep going like I normally did. And this is what happens with sin, in our life. We cannot move forward with sin in our life. So there needs to be, I need to take care of it. It's like a broken bone. You can't move forward until you deal with it. There's a mending and there's a healing so that the bone is strong again so you can move forward. The same thing with this, this conviction of sin in our life until it is dealt with. I need to deal with the sin. So just as we're not forgiven. Unforgiveness, when we're not forgiven by the Lord, we are in a bad place. That we would be forgiven by the Lord. So unforgiveness immobilizes us just like a broken bone. We're immobilized. So we need to get things right with God. We need to deal with that issue, with that, that area, so that there could be a mending, a healing take place that there can be forgiveness when it comes to sin there is a forgiveness as we deal with the sin we need to deal with the sin hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities you know it comes with as we confess that there would be a confession of sin there would be a repentance there would be it would be by faith in Jesus Christ that there is, is a taking care of our sins and our iniquities. Like I say, you might say, what is the difference? Sin is something that's already been done. We've transgressed. We've sinned. And iniquity is a tendency towards something. We haven't sinned yet, but man, this is what I want to do. I look forward. I wanna, I'm looking forward to doing it. I have a tendency to something. That's iniquity. 
Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified means to be made as you ought to be, to be in right standing, to be in the place before God as you ought to be. And it's by faith. How are we justified? It's by faith, and it's that way we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is only through him that we can be justified, and it's by faith in Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, and we can have right standing with God. Hallelujah. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know what? It's interesting, and I, I, I had somebody that, uh, that would made a comment on this, this portion. Create in me a clean heart. It was, it's not like I'm washing away the, what was there only. It's, we're talking about a new heart. The old heart or our heart in sin and whatever is infected with sin. It's diseased with sin. And so the Lord is saying, let me give you a new heart. I'm going to create a new heart. This old heart that is infected and diseased and whatever, I'm taking that and I'm giving you a new heart heart. I'm going to create a new heart that only God can do and renew a steadfast spirit within me. A steadfast spirit cannot exist if there is unconfessed sin. So the confession of sin is critical for the blood to be applied. And that's why I read earlier, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, uh, us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a cleansing that takes place as we confess to the Lord. Now, here we, we start to hear, you need to do this, Lord. You need to do this in my life. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And I just want to say this, the seriousness of, of continuing on in sin and not dealing with it, eventually there is a casting away. We, we are, the Lord casts us away, and there is the Holy Spirit is taken from us, and at that point, there is no return. And this David is recognized, and he's saying, this is the Holy Spirit inspiring David to write, and he's saying, this is a serious situation. And Lord, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be away from your presence. And, and obviously, he was at a point where he was already recognizing, I am far from the Lord and what I've done, and I need to make this thing right. And he, he was probably sensing that the Holy Spirit had already withdrawn or was moving away from him. And he's saying, I can't allow that to continue to happen. And so there's a confession, there's a repentance, there's faith, faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. If it's not done... We, we, we will move further and further away from the Lord. So David is recognizing the presence and the importance of the Holy Spirit in his life. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. The Holy Spirit can uh, restore the joy of our salvation, of your salvation that he's given to us. There's a joy. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing me. Thank you for cleansing me. And you uphold me by your generous spirit. You might say, what does that word generous mean? Obviously, generous means like, like 
an abundance, an overflow. But it also, it, there's this, the generous spirit is, the spirit is inclined, desiring, willing to be generous, to overflow. That's what we, Lord, let there be an overflow of your spirit in me. I'm not content with just a little bit. And I, as I came across this passage, there's not too many passages in the Old Testament that use the phrase, the Holy Spirit. This is one of them. And it ties directly with the New Testament, and it ties in with Joel that says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Lord, I, don't, I am not content with just that, just a portion. I want the fullness of your spirit in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to an overflow because it will impact others. Lord, let me be filled. Let me be baptized in your Holy Spirit, a generous spirit, an overflow in my life. Not just for me, but for others. Then, look what it says in verse 13. And once again, it ties in right with Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Where it says that you will be endued with power from on high, from the Holy Spirit. And you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, wherever. It says, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. That was exactly the term that was used today when I was talking to this individual. He says, I don't want to be converted. I don't want to be converted. It was like, wow. Afterwards, it was like, man, there are so many things I could have said. Like he was trying to get away from me as fast as he possibly could. He had just survived death pretty well. That sinners shall be converted to you. A desire for people to get saved. Lord, let there be an overflow. That people can be made right with God. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. You can really only start to praise God in the beauty of holiness when you're right before the Lord. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight, delight in burnt offering. If that was the case, to just, uh, I'll make a sacrifice. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. That's the sacrifice the Lord wants from us. Let me be before you with a broken spirit that I, Lord God, this is where the weeping and the mourning come in. I'm fasting and I'm weeping and I'm mourning before you because my spirit is broken over my own sin or my iniquity. And I'm broken and contrite before you, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. This is what the Lord wants. And so, Lord, as we fast over the course of the next week and a half, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, that that's how you would come before him. And even if it's like, Lord, there's nothing. I don't feel anything within me, and I'm so casual. Lord, change my heart. Change my heart. And Lord, if there's anything, maybe that hasn't been revealed to me, or maybe there's a distancing from you for whatever reason, because I've got other treasures, and my heart is there. Change my heart, oh, Lord. <coughs> Hallelujah. Do not do good in your good pleasure to Zion. 
build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Some of this is prophetic. This is prophetic in, in, uh, for Israel. Israel was established after being spread all over. There is not one single nation that was conquered that came back. Like, they never were reestablished as a nation, those that were totally conquered. You look at s different civilizations. We, in, in Central America, you, you have the Aztec and the in Incas and all these, these different civilizations gone. You have Israel that was not a nation for almost 2,000 years from A.D. 70 to 1948, May 14th, 1948, almost 2,000 years, and they became a nation after 2,000 years. That is unheard of. To not even have a language. Do you know that the Hebrew language didn't start, or it was way back when, but there was no Hebrew language for almost 2,000 years. They didn't even know how to speak Hebrew. And there's a man that's in, in the late 1800s that, that got the, uh, the, the texts and whatever and learned how to speak the language, and it was, was taught. And they learned the Hebrew language again. This is only what God can do. And this, these last few verses talk about sacrifice. The only, the finished work of Jesus Christ, we don't need a sacrifice anymore. But do you know this, that during the millennium, there will be sacrifices starting, starting up again. And it will be for a memorial. You read it from Acts or uh, Ezekiel 40, 40 to verse or chapter 48. Talks about the temple being built, rebuilt, a brand new temple that the Lord will have built. And they're going to start the sacrifice again as a memorial, a reminder. Amazing. So, as we close, um, I, I want to, if I could have the, the worship team come. And if I could have you, as we close, that we would come. Can we come to the altar and just say, Lord, do a work on me? And maybe you might say, you know what, I don't feel any, anything. I don't even want, no, I don't want to go to the altar or whatever. Come. If that's where you're at, especially come. Lord, create in me a new heart. Let me have a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Not for just my sake, but for the sake of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on me to an overflow to impact others. To impact others. That my family would be saved. My relatives would be saved. My friends would be saved. My coworkers would be saved. The stranger that I, I'm in contact with would be saved as life flows from me for their sake. If you would come, can we just close? Just take a few minutes here. I love you guys. Praise God. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.